You have arrived at episode 40 of the How'd You Get Into That Podcast with Graham Baldwin. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to episode 40 of the How'd You Get Into That Podcast. Great to have you here with us today. Just honored and delighted that you uh, decided to join us. We had a really cool episode for you today. A really good guy with a, a really cool story on really doing some cool work, which is kind of the trifecta of what we're looking for. Really good guys doing, uh, what did I just say? Really good guy doing, I don't even know. I should edit this out, but we're going to leave it in. Anyway, hey, thanks a lot for listening. really does uh, mean a lot. Hey, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, 99designs. Listen, get a uh, $99 power pack of services for free when you go to 99designs.com slash grant. We've been telling you about them for uh, several weeks now. You can get uh, over 315,000 different designers that can work on your project and get a design that you absolutely love. Fast, affordable, 100% money back guarantee. Again, go to 99designs.com slash grant. All right, today we are joined by John Pollock. He runs a uh, a travel boutique company that focuses on Italy travel. Yeah, that's a good way to summarize it. Yeah, it's a company called uh, Ciao Andiamo, uh, which in Italian I'm told means hello, let's go, which is a cool name. So uh, he went over to Italy uh, in college and bounced around a little bit, loved it, fell in love with it, and was like, I got to keep going back here and I want to take other people with me. So today is a really cool, just like I said, a boutique travel company of uh, introducing people to the Italian culture. And so just a really, like, just doing some really cool stuff there. So uh, a lot of great lessons here that we're going to pull out and talk about at the, uh, the end of the interview and uh, podcast as well. So stick around for that. You do not want to miss it. All right. Enough of me. Let's get to John. Here you go. Enjoy. All right. Well, what's up? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, I'm joined by John Pollock of a, uh, a boutique travel company that I think a lot of you are going to be intrigued by. I know when I first heard his story, I was immediately intrigued and wanted to immediately know how did you get into that? So John, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for Grant for having me. All right. So you run this uh, this travel company, this boutique. And I know it's more than just like a, it's not even necessarily, I guess, just a, a travel agency. I mean, you guys do a lot of different stuff, but you focus primarily on a beautiful little piece of property in, in Europe. Tell us about your company. Yes. Yeah, so we are a, a boutique travel outfitter focused exclusively on Italy. And really, our company is all about connecting people to the beauty of Italy in the most authentic way possible. And we do this through real genuine travel experiences around Italian food, wine, local culture, and discovery, and and trying to make sure that all our travelers are able to have experiences that do much more than scratch the surface and go way beyond the typical tourist path. So your company is you just get to travel around Europe and just to hang out with people. (laughs) That's one element of it, and that's that's definitely not the worst part. There's, Pe- there's people. a lot, lot more that, you know that goes with it. Unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, but. listeners right now are are all lining up to quit their jobs and figure out how do I get a gig? <laughs> I get to just hang out in Italy for parts of the year. So very cool, man. I'm intrigued to get into your story here. So let's backtrack a little bit. What connection do you have to Italy? Why Italy? Sure. So my connection kind of starts from uh, back actually when I was in high school, so uh, almost a good couple of decades ago. And so basically I started studying the language, which was was offered in high school and kind of a little bit on a whim, but I loved language at the time and got very much into it and continued that through college. It was my, my second major in college and I had the chance to to study abroad there and it was 
definitely my first time in Italy and, and actually my first time really traveling abroad. And it was just really an uh, incredible experience across many different dimensions and a really transformational experience for me personally. And kind of within a big part of that was I just fell in love so much with with all that Italy was about. Uh, the, the language for me was a vehicle to kind of connect with locals, to really immerse myself in the culture, discover everything, that all the beauty that really transcends Italy from the people, the food, the wine, the, all the natural beauty of the countryside and seaside, the, the history, and, and just really the, the, the pace of life and kind of the, you know, just the way that Italians live was something that I really embraced. And so I decided to extend my stay. I was just supposed to go for a semester, but I wanted something even more immersive. And so I, I took a job as a, as a waiter in a local restaurant there so I could get away from some of the, uh, a little bit from, from just the Americans that I was traveling with right. and, and connect with the locals. And, and that was fantastic. And I got, you know, I just kept going back over the years. I had a chance to actually work there with a future employer of mine. Uh, there was a business opportunity where I got to live in Milan for some time. And so it just always kind of stayed with me as, as a major passion. That's very cool, man. All right. So I know today that you live in New York City, but backtrack and when, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in New York, but out uh, in Long Island. Okay. What, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Even whenever you went into college, what was kind of the, you, I know that you mentioned that you were studying uh, Italian, but what else were you studying? What, the, what was the path at that point? Well, I mean, to answer what I wanted to be when I grew up, I honestly, I, I really didn't have any idea. I was studying business, um, like I was an economics major also. And to be honest, I sort of went that route because it seemed like a, a good default route to go and seemed like it was something that would be pretty universally applicable. I had before that had interest in, in journalism. I was the editor in my of my school paper, but I kind of abandoned that for better or for worse, be, uh, just because it seemed like a career that at that time I'd have to kind of go all in, even at the college stage, and I, I wasn't sure I wanted to do that. So, so I didn't really, you know, I knew that. Thought I, I thought at least that I wanted to do something in the general business realm. I had no idea what that meant, right. and and sort of it's something that that I've learned kind of over the years, I guess. So when you spend that semester over in, in Italy and just kind of set in over there and then that wraps up and you stick around for a little bit, are you kind of thinking like, I don't know, maybe I want to live here or maybe I want to do something here or I guess what was it that made you decide, let's just hang out here a little longer and see what happens? You're saying when I was uh, studying in Italy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think really for me it was, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and a once-in-a-lifetime experience that is really just, it was the first time I feel like I kind of had a real, you know, I didn't necessarily know it would translate to something professional, but a real life-changing kind of experience. And I, and I knew that it was going to be a little harder to extend my stay there and have to catch up on classes and fulfill my econ major requirements. And, but I just knew I, I, I was so drawn to, to that experience, to the people, the lifestyle. And I felt like also that I, I did, I, I could just do so much more and I, and uh, to really integrate myself and have that kind of local experience. It's so fascinating to me because I think there's a lot of times where people travel or they go somewhere and it is what it is. It's a cool destination, but it would take a lot for someone to be like, 
I think I'm just going to move here temporarily, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, like, I know for myself, I travel a lot. My family and I, we travel a lot. So there's been a lot of places like, this would be a really cool place to live. It's a totally different ballgame to decide, like, while you're there, like, I think I am going to actually live here. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I do. And it's a, it's a big leap. And, and you know, I'll, I mean, I will say that I think, especially when I lived there outside of kind of my student days, and I was really in, in living in Milan, which is much more kind of, you're just around Italians. There's not a lot of, a lot of Americans there, and which was great. That's what I wanted. But you know, it's it's not always easy. It's not. I mean, it was it was. I'm not complaining. It was fantastic. But it it then becomes kind of like you said. It becomes more real, more of real life, and not just a vacation or a short term experience. And uh, so you take the take the good with the challenges. And and I'm pretty sure that that uh, any challenges there were that those were really important, kind of helping shape me and kind of shape the, the the path that I was going down. Sure. So while you're hanging out a little longer there and you're doing the restaurant thing, where's your head at? Are you thinking you're going to go back to the States at some point? Or are you just kind of thinking, let's just keep living here until the fun runs dry? Or, or what's what's your thought at that point? Honestly, I, I didn't think I was going to stay there forever. And, and I think actually, you know, in, in some parts, I, I missed kind of also the life that I, that I had in New York and in the U.S. and just some of the cultural differences that, you know, that don't get captured when you're, you know, you don't experience the same way when you're living abroad. So I think I knew that I, I learned during that period that I always wanted to have Italy be an important part of my life, but, and probably, you know, I'd consider it a, a second home. But I think I realized that it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to just live there, but I wanted to integrate it in some way in, in my life. And at that point, it's, it wasn't that I knew, oh, I'm going to start a, an Italy travel business, but it wasn't the case at all. I just knew that somehow I wanted to continue to be connected to that and to my, to my passion. Nice. How long were you over there before you decided to come back to the States? Well, so that first stint in outside of Florence was for just under a year, and then uh, the next time when I was living there in Milan was for around eight months or so. So they were both, you know, they weren't incredibly long stints, but long enough that I was, you know, became my life. Basically. It's more than a week-long vacation. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so you come back over to the States. Are you just kind of thinking, let's just keep heading down the uh, the business, general business path and still got this Italy thing kind of in the back of your mind or where are you headed at that point? Exactly. So I kind of went into the, the mainstream business world and took a couple jobs in, in corporate America doing, doing finance in one stint, doing marketing in another stint. After I came back from Milan, I went to, to business school for a couple of years. And, and, and my, you know, my thought going into business school was, was okay, I'm gonna, it wasn't about Italy per se, but it was, you know, I had had a, a, a good first experience in, in finance and for a consumer packaged goods company. So uh, and I had gotten really exposed to kind of marketing and branding and, and, the, and consumer products and that all really intrigued me. So I thought, you know, that could, moving more towards kind of a marketing general management could be interesting. And, but at the same time, I thought, I also kind of want to get out of corporate America, and I think this will business school will be a way for me to kind of discover what's out there, connect with people who have all different backgrounds, have come from different walks of life, and have had different careers, and a great chance for me to kind of really learn what the right path could be for me, and to ideally do something that would be much more entrepreneurial. What ended up happening is... I did work at a, at a startup company between first and second year, and I, I got some marketing experience there as well, which was great. But then when I left 
after my second year, I ended up taking a job that that didn't stay true to my not going back to corporate America vision. And in my mind, it was kind of happy kind of balance between a company that was where it was definitely going to give me great tools and resources to learn and kind of grow within an organization, but also that was more entrepreneurial where I'd have more ownership over projects and uh, and things. And, and it ended up actually being the best decision I could have possibly made as kind of a stepping stone to eventually starting this business. How long were you there with that company? So I was there uh, for four years, a little over four years. And, you know, I'd say early on in, in my time working there, I, I did already have the, the sense that that's kind of when the idea when the idea for doing something more entrepreneurial and actually the specific idea kind of came to pass. But I decided to, to, for a variety of reasons, I decided to stay there for a few more years, even after the idea had first first came to mind. And, and I'm very glad that I did because I, I really grew a lot in my profession. I learned a lot that's, that's been very much directly applicable to what I do now. And, you know, it just got, allowed me to kind of get the business idea to the right place for when I was ready to actually you know, launch it and take, take the big leap to entrepreneurship. I think there's a great lesson there because I think a lot of times people, we come up with an idea, whether it's leaving our current situation and going to a new company or starting a business or creating a, a product or service or whatever the idea may be. And we immediately are just like, how do I get out of what I'm doing and immediately get to that? I got to get the grass is greener over there. I must get over there. But I like your, your perspective. I'm going, no, no, no. Like, I wanted to build that, but it also takes some time to just kind of percolate in myself and just kind of figure out what does this look like, kind of flesh itself out and kind of process it and think it through. But at the same time, in your current position, just learning skills and, and kind, of, kind of honing some of your own stuff that will help you long term that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly. I think it can be really hard because when you when you have that idea or have that decision that oh this is what I want to do or I want to do something different. I don't know what it is. You at least for me and I think for a lot of people you want that that moment to be tomorrow. <laughs> uh, you don't want to wait sure. to do it. And I think I think yes, on some level you can you can really think through. Okay, well, what about this? What's the situation I'm in now, and and what can I gain from being here a little longer? But I also kind of balance that with. You can really get tripped up in that game of, okay, well, right now is not the perfect moment to leave. There's, let me just wait till I get this next promotion or till I have a little more money in the bank or till, till this. Or, and, and you can, can the, the lights will never always be green, right? So I think it's, it's for me, what, reflecting back, I think, it's, and I think it's very much about finding that right, that right balance in that moment where, okay, I've, I've been prudent. I've been patient. It's the right time. It's not perfect. I'm taking a leap and there's going to of course be risks, but if I don't do it now, I, I might not do it. Yeah. I think that's so true. Like, uh, you know, when you, you joke around and ask people like, when's a good time to have a baby? There's never a good time to have a baby. <laughs> when's a good time to start a business? There's never a good time to start a business. The conditions are never going to be perfect and on all systems go. I like it what you said that they're not all the lights aren't always going to be all green. And so there's going to there's going to be times where you just like proceed with caution. But you, you got to try it at some point. You know, it's a lot easier just to, to stay in the, the corporate cubicle and just to get trapped there. And then to wake up 10, 15, 30 years later and wonder, crap, I never even tried it. <laughs> you know, I waited for the perfect moment. And the perfect moment never came. Yeah, absolutely. So how long are you kind of stewing around this? Uh, this Is it immediately just a, the travel boutique idea that you're chewing on? How long are you no, chewing on that? 
No, actually, the idea really just was more about you know my experience with Italy, having been fortunate enough to be such an immersive experience where I was really connecting with locals and getting to see what Italy is is really all about, and that and that's the Italy that I really fell in love with. The idea was really about connecting people to uh, to that kind of concept in the most authentic way possible, and seeing the need. Maybe it was kind of an unknown need to a lot of people, but. Just seeing that there was so much of kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, the butchered versions of what Italy is, whether that's around travel, whether that's around cuisine, that, and food and wine here in, in, in the U.S., whether and that's just the perceptions of, of the culture. And so my initial vision was kind of more about it was centered around connecting people, you know, this mission of connecting people to Italy in the most authentic way possible through really enjoyable but very genuine experiences. And so originally, you know, I, I had a vision that this could kind of transcend a, a, a few different types of, of services and a few different types of areas from, you know, travel would be one component, but we also started by hosting food and, you know, local food and wine events in New York that were bringing a more authentic vision of an experience around Italian cuisine. I was personally teaching some conversational language classes, doing it in a cafe setting over over wine and antipasti to kind of have it be the antithesis of language just taught in a more kind of stale classroom environment and something that is more about the way I learned language, which was around Italians and, and around food and around experiences. So as time went on, kind of the you know, what was really important for me is that even though it wasn't always easy, was that I was able to like continuously adapt what the vision would be as, as I saw kind of where the opportunity was. And, you know, there were even some more <laughs> more iterations of that adaptation as time went on. But Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like that you're constantly kind of iterating. And I think that's another great lesson there of, of when someone starts with an idea. It's like, I have a really, really broad concept of what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about sharing Italy with other people. But how that translates to a business or how that translates to work could look a million different ways. So when you start out, you're just trying something and then you go on down this path and then that may evolve and change and pivot to something totally different. And so my assumption would be that your business today, as it stands, is probably uh, has a lot of variances and nuances and just maybe significant or even little differences than what the original idea was. True? Uh, 110% true. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're just figuring it out. You just kind of figure it out as you go. There's no playbook. There's no like perfect map of this is the way that you must do it. And that's part of the challenge. And that's part of the joy of being able to, to create your own deal or, or do it on your on your own terms. So so as you're kind of building this, or you're, I assume you're just kind of doing this on the side while you're still doing the, the corporate America job? Yeah. So, you know, I was pretty adamant that I, I didn't want to actually start going in headfirst into the business while I still had one foot in, in the door at my old job. So, uh, but I was also very much, I want to be, <laughs> I'm excited about it. I want to, I can't wait to develop it and I, uh, and develop it and I want to be as prepared as possible for the moment that I do say, okay, I'm quitting my job. I'm going at this with my, you know, my full effort. That's the, you know, at, at that point, you know, I wanted to already have some sort of uh, level where I felt like, okay, I had 
um, taking it from just kind of a okay, this is my passion. Let me find it. Let me try to wrap the business case around it. To okay, I have an actual concept. I have some branding, a website ready to go. I have a, a you know a, a strategic plan in place. And when when day one comes, at least what I thought at the time was that I'd be ready to like go go get those customers and go start delivering services. <laughs> so when day one comes, what happens? Well, it's, I mean, day one is, is for me at least, and I'm sure for most people that, that start off their own business, day one is incredibly exciting. I couldn't wait to, to basically start getting to work. It's, it's definitely the, still the honeymoon part, and it's when sure. things are exciting. But you know, at the same time, it's kind of maybe this didn't happen in day one, but not too far after day one, it's, it, you kind of get to that moment and realization that, okay, I've got this concept that I feel great about, that I'm excited about, I've got things in the works, and and especially comparing it to the job I had previously in marketing and strategy, now it's like, well, you can do marketing and strategy and branding all you want, but um, now you really have to kind of be incredibly tactical and executionally focused, and you need to start <laughs> you need to start selling, and you yeah. need to start making it, uh, or whatever the goal is of the business, you need to, to, to start actually making deals and, and moving the business forward uh, in a way that's creating value for you and for, for whoever your target uh, customers are. It's, it's so easy to get sidetracked by all the other little stuff that just doesn't matter. Like, at the end of the day, you have to make sales. Like, nothing happens. Happens, no revenues coming in. You can have the best marketing materials. You can have the best, most beautiful, fancy business cards. But if, if nobody's buying it, it just doesn't matter. Exactly. And those are, you know, a lot of those things. Are, I mean, they're important. And yep, they're, for and, sure. And there's some of the things that are definitely, ex- especially exciting in the early stages. It's, it's validation of what you're doing. Your website's up. You've got the those business cards, like you said, and you're doing. You're on social media. You're all those things, and those can be very important. But they're, you know, it's not what. It, I found, and I probably found, I learned to an extent much more than I anticipated that, that, you know, the level with which you really have to kind of focus your efforts to really, um, to really kind of sell and execute. When you leave your your corporate job and you start this, uh, you start just kind of building the business, what are family, friends, people thinking? Is it, is it kind of one of those like, I mean, that's adorable, John. We'd all love to teach people about Italy, but we also have to work, you know, or or people going, no, that's really cool. Like you've got a bit of a track record at that point of of teaching it and starting to just immerse yourself in the culture. Where, what are other people saying? Well, I'd say it was, it was a mixed bag. I'd say a lot was very positive and very much people supporting that I was uh, living a, a dream that I was very passionate about. They thought it was courageous to, to kind of take that leap, which I think is both a compliment, but probably also a word of caution. And kind of tied with that is there was some very explicit concern, which and that, that the concern came, I'd say, more from my family than friends who just had general concerns with, well, you're leaving a, a, you know, a steady job that you're doing well in a steady paycheck, it's going to be difficult. And are you sure you want to make this decision? I think those were good kind of, you know, uh, those were good kind of warnings to keep in mind. But, you know, at the same time, I, I, I think any successful entrepreneur, if you listen to all those warnings, I don't think they would become a would have been able to become a successful entrepreneur. So you have to kind of it's good to have the balanced feedback and 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 ground yourself, but it's also good not to get kind of too bogged down by that. And I think if you are really passionate about something and you've made that conscious decision that this is what I'm doing, certainly at least in my case, I 
maybe to a fault, I, I really kind of tuned out a lot of those, a lot of the, the naysayers and just said, uh, okay, I didn't deny that there's a chance this business won't succeed, but this is what I'm doing. This is the time to take a chance. And I, I if not now, when? Right. I assume how far into it uh, were you having, you know, were you second guessing, having doubts, uh, sure. wondering, insecurities, did I make the right decision? I'm assuming those were there. Sure. And yeah, I'd say I had been, my business was fully bootstrapped. You know, I had no funding, uh, took a very, was taking a very lean startup approach where I was trying to just use basically some of the, use some initial capital that I had kind of just for my own savings and have at least like a, a small kind of uh, safety net and nest egg that I could fall back on for a, a not too long a period of time, six plus months, let's say, but at least six months where I could at, at least at that point know if there's something there or or do I need to just kind of uh, take a different path. And I'd say probably after around one month or so in, maybe one to, one to two months was when, okay, so that nest egg that I had put aside is, is, is getting depleted a little bit. <laughs> it's going and, down. And the, the honeymoon was great and the honeymoon's over. And now it's kind of, it's that, that moment where you're like, okay, well now I really, now I need to actually deliver concrete results and, and financial results. And, and also I think, Part of the when the honeymoon ended, it wasn't just that the you know now I have some of the pressures to more you know without a ton of time to more kind of quickly get things up and running. It was also I think I don't think I ever fully acknowledged or realized that it, that it would be as difficult emotionally um, to kind of venture out like this. Especially um, I was doing it at solo at the time, just me, and so it's a it's a, it's an exciting thing, but it can also be a lonely thing to to start up a business like that. And you're not, you know, uh, you're not around peers as much on, on a day in day out basis. At the time, I didn't have office space, which, uh, you know, which sounds sounds great working from home, but it also can get can get kind of tough when when you're not kind of leaving and going into an office environment each day, and you don't have the clear recognitions and the clear milestones of oh I did a uh, you know you're you're in the, the corporate world and and you did this and you you did a great job you get your pat on the back this was really you know I had a, I you start to feel like you you know you have things to prove to yourself and prove to others and then it's easy to kind of get caught up in that emotional trap and uh, yeah. so that was that was kind of a I'd say month two and three were were kind of a tougher than I probably anticipated but also in some ways very important because that you need to have that kind of push to have that fire under your belly to really change things and accelerate what you're doing. Yeah. So you give yourself a six month window there of just going, all right, I got six months to get this plane off the ground. <laughs> yep. At what point do you feel like, okay, I think this is going to work. I think, I think we've got something here. Cause I think that's a lot of times what people wrestle with is like you're saying, you've got those second guesses, you've got those doubts, you've got those insecurities and fears, like everybody who does, who would start something or take some type of leap of any kind. So at what point are you feeling like a little boost of confidence? Like, I, I think this is going to work. Sure. I think it's it was you know probably towards the the later part of that six month window when I think I was really seeing the the potential and the opportunity within the travel space and really kind of you know as we we talked about uh, letting the business be adaptive and seeing okay well some of this stuff is great and and fine but not really working and not necessarily going to maybe shouldn't be a business priority like I thought it should be and I was able to kind of really 
focused on, on what I wanted the business to be in a very different way than I envisioned, than I originally envisioned. And then, and I, and within that saw some kind of original uh, or initial success stories and saw that, okay, wow, we we're starting to curate a couple of trips and we're starting to see that both we can get some, you know, that we're, I'm actually delivering a great service that, that even in its infant stages that, you know, sure has some potential, but there's something there and, and that we can build upon and that also I could start to see some of a little bit better, some of the, the, the opportunities for financial success. And, you know, in the, at the same time, it wasn't, it still wasn't a home run, right? I was, sure. this was, I still don't have any financing at this point. And, and I was being creative as well with doing, you know, just finding ways to kind of make some money on the side as well. And, and just making sure I could kind of manage my cash flows. I, I did a great opportunity where I was, uh, you know, working in, in a neighborhood wine shop, which was actually, which worked very well as a synergy to my business, which we also, we hosted some events there, but I was also able to kind of spend some time working there using that as kind of my, my out of home office right. for a little bit. And I think as I was kind of like studying my cash flows personally, finding ways to like, like get some short term financing that, um, just like a little bit of a bridge loan and seeing the light of, okay, I have a service that has potential. That was kind of, that was the moment where I was ready to go into year two and and um, really take this business to the next level. I like that. Anytime you, you, you have that experience where one of your first customers or buyers or clients or whatever uses your product service thing, that thing that you've been putting your, your sweat equity into, and then they, you know, they get a result or they have just some amazing experience and you're just like, Oh my gosh, they liked it. Like it worked, you know, and versus the, oh crud, now, you know, now what I do. But it sounds like the first couple of things that you had or first couple of people that, that worked with you, it sounded like it was a win for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's both as just in general as an entrepreneur trying to make their business successful, that's a huge, you know, obviously it lends confidence. It also kind of lends direction to what your business can be. And I'd say more than that, if you're, you know, if you're in a situation like mine where you're, business is something you're truly passionate about that very quickly <laughs> became and has continued to, to be part of the the business that's the most rewarding and satisfying and, and when you really have a vested interest and and I think that's so important to any business owners being successful is that they have a, a really vested interest in what they're what they're offering what they're selling and that they they especially in a, like a service industry like this where they you know that you can kind of bring that kind of positive result and happiness to your your clientele nice to to wrap up let's go back in time a bit when you were kind of uh, teetering making that decision to make the leap not make the leap to do your own deal not do your own deal stay put is there anything that you would do differently now or what advice would you give to yourself today looking back Sure. Well, one would have been, ideally, I would have had a little bit more of a safety net. The six months sounded nice at the time, but I don't, I think I underestimated the ramp up time to really actually start selling in a significant way and start, you know, being cash flow positive. So I'd say, you know, you don't want to wait forever, but if the the more you can feel like you're, you don't want a business idea to, to be killed because because of a cash issue, a cash flow issue. So anything you can do to kind of safeguard yourself in that respect is huge. I would also say, kind of going back to my example of the of of the working in the wine shop, if you can kind of in tandem find creative ways, especially if they parallel with what you're doing, to to maybe it's not the future of your business, but just to like keep yourself afloat a little better. That 
you know, do it. Absolutely. As long as it doesn't distract from your business objectives. The other important thing, which, which we kind of touched on is, and is really plan A and for, for almost any new business is not going to be the plan that's going to make your business successful. And, you know, I think I knew that going in, but uh, it's really easy as an entrepreneur to get very emotionally attached and personally attached to to your vision and your website and the things you've developed and so I think it took a little bit of time at the beginning for me to really accept kind of constructive feedback or the naysayers or or to to challenge myself properly and once I did it was transformational for the business so always challenge yourself and and, and be very nimble and flexible the last thing which you know, I did, but I wish, but I could have probably did done even more of, um, especially right out of the gate, is speak with as many people as you can in the industry, in, in uh, tangential industries, any kind of person who can lend some sort of expertise. Because I can say that along the way, that it was more than anything, it was different conversations I had with with people who had had whatever experiences they had that could really lend a sort of a breakthrough idea to the business I was developing and just speak to them and, and listen, listen, listen. Good. Excellent. Great stuff, man. Hey, uh, I know a lot of people listening to this right now are like, okay, I, I, got, I got to learn more about what they do and how do I get involved in it. So for someone that may be interested in your company or just want to uh, maybe go on one of your trips or excursions, give us a quick snapshot of what all you guys offer. Sure. So basically we offer a a few different types of services. So most of what we do is bespoke travel, which is where we're helping shape uh, a trip to Italy from soup to nuts and uh, help in a very kind of one-on-one way, understand your interests, passions, travel styles, and design the right kind of itinerary for you that's going to really touch on all those points. And, and that, of course, includes uh, uh, special excursions and, and different activities with our local guides, experts, independent families, you know, family-run vineyards, or you know, going and doing a, a, a truffle hunt or a, a cooking class in an agroturismo in the, the hills of Umbria, whatever the case may be, you know, putting together really special uh, curated experiences with guides and, and uh, experts who have a similar passion to what we do. Within that, we also do um, a lot of our, our travelers actually end up being being honeymooners, and which lends pretty well uh, to their needs. and And we do also some small group excursions that are that are focused on specific passions. So. Uh, whether your your love is around food and wine, or you want to go do a, a yoga retreat in in the Amalfi Coast, whatever the case may be, these are different types of of, of travel offerings we curate for people who want to experience Italy. Nice man, you paint a very sexy picture over there. I'd love to <laughs> love to get over and check it out. My wife went last year with her sister and, and loved it. So I I haven't had a chance to visit, so I'll have to get over there at some point. So, John, appreciate the time, man. Where can we go to? Uh, what's your website? Where can we find you online and, and give us that? Sure. Our website is uh, www. So C I A O A N D I A M O, um, and that, by the way, means hello. Let's go. Nice. And we're also on we're on Facebook, Chalandiamo, and uh, we're also on Twitter, Chalandiamo as well. So uh, you know, find us at any of those places. We're on Instagram too. And anyone who wants to learn more about you know our business or 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 is interested in, in an Italy trip of course always love to to connect nice excellent well when i uh, i get ready for my trip I'll, I'll be sure and give you the give you the shout we'll put something custom together it'll be fun so all right john appreciate the time man we'll talk again soon thanks great speaking with you grant 
Boom. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that uh, that chat with John Pollock of Ciao Andiamo, uh, which again, hello, let's go in Italian. It doesn't sound as sexy when I say it. Like I just feel like if I could speak Italian, my, my the appeal to my wife would go way up. Maybe. Maybe not. May have nothing to do with what language I speak, but it's good to think about. All right. So uh, again, really cool company. Make sure you stop by. You can check them out at Ciao Andiamo, C-I-A-O-A-N-D-I-A-M-O.com. Hope you got that. Or to make it a little simpler, you can go to grantbolden.com slash John, J-O-N, Pollock, P-O-L-L-A-C-K. A couple things that John talked about that I really, really liked there. One of the things he said was, um, you know, just starting with a broad idea, giving yourself to, to uh, time to just let the idea flesh itself out. You know, I think sometimes people want to start a business or they want to make some type of transition or they want to do their own deal. And they just feel the need to know exactly what it looks like. And you, you just, you don't. What that thing becomes is going to evolve and change over time. So for him, he's like, I know I love Italy. I know I love, I love sharing uh, the Italian culture with people. But what that looks like could look a million different directions. So start broad before you start to really, really narrow it down. Another thing that he talked a lot about was just having a bunch of iterations of the business before it really evolves into what it would become, you know, and just, it takes some of the pressure off. You know, anytime you start something, you new. Again, you, you feel like I, I have to know exactly how it's all going to work out and how it's all going to come together. But he's like, no, no, like it, we were going this direction and then we pivoted and went a totally different direction. So take the pressure off of feeling like I have to know what the end result looks like. You don't. You're able to just take one step. Just take that next step. And uh, I heard that I've used this analogy before on the show and I, I don't, I've drawn a blank where I heard it. It was in a book somewhere. But the analogy was basically when you're, when you're driving down the road at night. You can only see as far as the headlights will show you, but you can make an entire drive that way. You can drive for hundreds or even thousands of miles, only being able to see a few feet in front of you, but you can make the entire journey that way. And that's the same thing is true whenever you're starting your own thing. You have an idea of where you're going, but what's going to happen along the way or how it's going to evolve and play out, you don't always know. So take some of the pressure off. Just take for you what would be the next logical step. And that builds confidence. It builds, uh, builds traction, but you don't know unless you're willing to take that first step, that first step is brutal, but it may be the most important step that you take. I know uh, I've done a couple different marathons, half marathons, triathlons, and uh, I am a man beast. You probably tell from my voice. I'm just, I'm just a beast of a man, which would be the definition of a man beast. But sometimes one of the most exciting and some of the most daunting parts of any of those races is those first few minutes. Because you get started, you start on a marathon, and it's a 26.2-mile race, and it's a long way. You're going to be on your feet for several hours and moving forward, hypothetically. And so those first few minutes, you're like, man, I got a long freaking way to go. I'm a quarter mile into this. I'm already worn out and tired from just the adrenaline that's pumping through me. But you just keep moving forward. But you can't get to mile 26.2 unless you take that first step. And I know it's a bit cliche, but you've got to be willing to take the first step. Let the thing evolve and uh, pivot as you go. Make iterations as you go, but take some of the pressure off. All right, that about wraps up episode 40 here. Um, make sure that you stop by. You check out 99designs. Again, you can get a that power pack of services for free. Basically, you're listing out the project, what you're looking for. You can get logos, uh, websites, car wraps, anything that you're looking for to have designed. 99designs can take care of it for you. Again, 99designs.com slash grant. Make sure you check that 
them out. All right, uh, as always, feel free to email me anytime, grant to grantbaldwin.com. You can tweet me on the Twitter, at Grant Baldwin. Would love to hear from you. Feel free to follow me and stalk me online if you'd like. Hey, you're awesome. Keep being awesome. Uh, really means a lot that you listen to the show, and I hope that the show's uh, been encouraging and inspiring to you on your own journey to find and do work you love. We'll talk to you again real soon. Keep being awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.